Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN. So what is our current debt? I mean, that what was it, 2015 there was a bond election? So what does that have on the books right now? That... I don't know off the top of my head. I don't know if that. Okay. 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 All right. I, I don't know. That is Bobby Ott, Temple ISD superintendent, claiming that he doesn't know his district's current debt level with regard to bond packages that have been passed in prior elections. Welcome to Political Pursuits. I'm Lou Ann Anderson. And let's get that question answered first and foremost. Temple ISD has current debt of $264.7 million. Again, $264.7 million. That breaks down to $174.6 million in principal, $90.1 million in interest. The district is now coming to voters asking for an additional, what they advertise as $184.9 million. This is broken down into two packages. One strictly deals with the football stadium and then a second larger package that is a lot of of capital expenditures, construction projects, new construction as well as remodeling across the district on a number of the campuses at all levels from elementary to middle to the high school. This $184.9 million, as I said, is principal only. Remember, we have interest. That's a big part of this equation. It's a part of this equation that is rarely discussed. But we discuss it here at Political Pursuits, the podcast, because we believe that you need to have the full picture of what's going on. That's why I asked Superintendent Ott about current debt. That's another important piece to know. But with regard to this $184.9 million in principle that the district is asking, we need to tax some interest onto that. Usually runs up to maybe 40%. So you do the calculations, 40% of $184.9 million adds in another, say, 73 or so million dollars. So when all is said and done, this bond package that the district is looking for is probably projected to be more upward to $260 million, not just the $184.9 million base price that they are advertising. Remember, Bobby Ott doesn't know how much debt Temple currently has, but I do, and I just told you, so we know that the debt district currently has debt of $264.7 million. So when it comes down to it, you take our current debt, $264.7 million, add to it what 
is currently being proposed that with principal and interest could be up to another $260 million. So this bond election, bottom line is about, do you want to double your school taxpayers' financial liability? It's a fair question. You need that. You need to know that. If you're going out to do any kind of major purchase in your own home, first thing you do is generally look at your financial picture. What do we have on the books right now? What debt might we have? Can we afford taking on new debt? And again, it's important to look at the big picture. I would also tell you this is not your only tax liability debt that you have. An average person residing in the Temple Independent School District likely also pays taxes to the City of Temple, to Bell County, to the Temple Junior College district, when you put in all four of those entities combined debt, you're talking up just a little bit over a billion dollars right now. So passage of this proposal, it'll put Temple temple area residents, an average Temple area resident, at closer to $1.3 billion in total bond debt with regard to your four taxing entities. That's something to think about. But you know, that wasn't the only question I've asked recently. Something else that's been catching my eye is that the, the district has done a lot of, of advertising about this, this program that they've got, No Place for Hate, and just made me curious. So I was curious enough to just shoot them off a public information request asking for information. Uh, I asked for the following. All curriculum, instructional materials, or associated content, printed and digital, currently used or under consideration, past or present, by TISD related to critical race theory. This request additionally seeks the same information for any ideologically comparable programs marketed under other names. Seems fair enough, straightforward enough request. And I did promptly receive a a reply back. We have received your public information request after visiting with our assistant superintendent for curriculum and instruction. We do not have any materials matching your request. We teach the state-mandated curriculum and CRT is not included. The district has not purchased any materials related to the subject. Thank you for your request, John Wallen, Public Information Officer, Temple Independent School District. Okay, question asked, question answered, at least by by the, the district. Still, though, it just keep coming back, seeing things here on the Temple ISD website, seeing things in the media, talking about how six Temple ISD schools are no place for hate designation. Those five elementary schools, Cater, Hector P. Garcia, Jefferson, Kennedy Powell, Scott, and then Lamar Middle School has received recognition from the ADL, that's the Anti-Defamation League, for the 2020 21 school year. Now, the ADL, they're an interesting organization. They've been around since, oh, like 1913. And in its earlier early days, they were known for fighting, fighting anti-Semitism, which certainly in the early decades of our past century, that was an issue. But they have kind of, they have morphed like many other organizations. They have morphed over the years and Now, they do still fight anti-Semitism, both in the U.S. and globally, but they also combat extremism and hate, specifically domestic extremism, online hate, and harassment. Under the category of confront discrimination and secure justice, they look at hate crimes, religious freedom, free speech, race and racial justice, criminal justice reform, 
education equity, women's equity, voting rights, LGBTQ rights, immigrant and refugee rights. They also promote respectful schools and communities with anti-bias education, bullying and cyberbullying prevention, interfaith and intergroup relations. Well, not all of that sounds just so horribly bad. But back to what TISD has to say about the ADL and their program, No Place for Hate. The No Place for Hate initiative provides schools and communities with an organizing framework for combating bias, bullying, and hatred, leading to long-term solutions for creating and maintaining a positive climate. Schools qualify for the designating designation by completing each of the following steps. Building inclusive and safe environments in which respect is the goal and all students can thrive. Empowering students, faculty, administration, and family members to take a stand against hate and bullying by incorporating new and existing programs under one powerful message. Engaging schools and communities in at least three anti-bias activities per year and sending a clear, unified message that all students have a place to belong. Boy, that's a long sentence. The campuses, the honored campuses helped bring awareness to the issues of bullying and bias during the school year and helped instill the values of the No Place for Hate program in students and staff members. Representatives of each school were honored and received a No Place for Hate banner to display on campus during the TISD Board of Trustees meeting on September 13th. So it looks like, boy, from the the, the campus all the way up through the administration, the TISD is in on board with No Place for Hate. An article, I came across this from Conservative Dispatch, although I think it was originally published at a site called Complete Colorado. They ask a question back in April at the time of this article's release, what is No Place for Hate program actually teaching K-12 students? The article begins that Americans agree that schools should be no place for hate. Instead, we should foster respect and reject bullying and racism. But how do we best achieve that shared goal? It goes on and it details how that No Place for Hate is now in more than 1,600 K-12 schools. And it talks about how that this program has some worthy aims, such as condemning bullying and promoting empathy. But there are good reasons to question whether it's accomplishing what it claims. Concerns begin with the program's requirements. To receive the No Place for Hate designation, at least 75% of a school's students must sign a pledge. It is said to be voluntary, but some teachers are directed to repeatedly urge students who haven't signed the pledge to do so. And the pledge basically goes through and says things like that, I pledge to be kind. I pledge to not involve myself with bullying or making other, other students feel uncomfortable. It also talks about how that you pledge that you will advise someone, you will, you will respond, you will react if you see acts of bullying or aggression taking place. Now, this idea that it's voluntary, but teachers are directed to repeatedly urge the students who haven't signed the pledge to do so, that sounds like a little bit of peer pressure itself. And I don't know, it could almost be construed as bullying, which would kind of seem to have an issue. The pledge itself extols shared virtues, but do kids really need to sign the pledge to be seen as kind, respectful, and rejecting hate? Pretty fair point. Second, a school that implements the program must cede significant power over day-to-day operations to the group that sponsors this program, the Anti-Defamation League. I just told you about what the Anti-Defamation League, the types of issues that they like to 
like to address, schools are expected to notify the ADL when any incident of bias, bullying, discrimination, or harassment occurs and work with it to address them or risk revocation of its No Place for Hate designation, according to the program's handbook. Ooh, I guess they'll come and take that nice pretty banner down from your school, too. Number one, this sounds like a violation of some privacy laws. If there truly is some incident of bias, bullying, or discrimination, should the district not have the latitude to have their own policy in place? And in the case of something that is very extreme, this isn't mentioning anything about having law enforcement involved, which there are times when law enforcement is legitimately involved in incidents that happen on school campuses, as we're seeing play out right now in Loudoun County, Virginia, where there was an incident of a, of a student who has assaulted two young girls in the bathroom. While schools shouldn't talk. Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN. Tolerate those behaviors. Do they need to yield authority to an outside organization to resolve them? No, absolutely not. And as we get into this, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the these incidents that occur, what the ADL does with that information. That's another whole story. Folks, this is a this is a deep, deep program. The website for this program is robust in terms of it has a lot of content and a lot of it is very disturbing and that's what we're going to continue going through today. The schools are strongly encouraged to use ADL supplied curriculum and the students must complete three approved activities throughout the year. We heard that in the TISD release. Three activities a year. For example, K through two students learn about the cycle of inequality and that racism comes from ideas that white people deserve to be in charge and treated better. Middle schoolers consider the extent to which dress codes unfairly target certain identity groups and navigate around the identity iceberg, which tells kids not to assume their peers' race or gender by their appearance. High schoolers explore how so-called microaggressions are pervasive in everyday life. They delve into a pyramid of hate. Oh, I've got more to tell you about that which asserts that oppression is widespread in society and seems to imply that not being aware of privilege can lead, on a continuum, to genocide. The program rightly strives for harmony and respect for all, but is this the best way to achieve those goals to keep kids hyper-focused on their differences, instruct that those differences determine their identity, and suggest that their identity dictates whether they're a member of a dominant or a victim group? The message contradicts judging someone by the content of their character, that wonderful line delivered by Dr. Martin Luther King that has been the cornerstone of our nation's civil rights movement. So after all these years, are we finding out Dr. King was wrong? Prejudice exists. We should work to eradicate it. But is it as prominent in our communities and nation as the program asserts? I would answer that and say no. However, in doing that... 
that would probably imply that I'm not aware of my privilege and therefore I am an oppressor even though I think otherwise. No Place for Hate exhorts students to move on from kindness, claiming they must understand how to engage in changing systems and society. So basically what we're doing, a program like this, it's looking to create social justice warriors. I guess it's trying to transform our schools into social justice warrior factories. And we see this. The students, that they must understand how to engage in changing, syst- in changing systems in society. We're seeing this. Colleges, oh my gosh, Kathleen Parker had a great column at Town Hall that talks about this crazy situation up in Yale where uh, some students have filed a lawsuit against a student for a party invitation he sent out, and he used some rather creative language, but they took all of the things that he said basically as microaggressions. And we see this type of behavior in college campuses across the country. I remember some years ago, during the Trump administration and Wayfair employees were freaking out up at some facility, I believe it was in Massachusetts, because the company had a a contract with the Immigrations and Customs Department, and they were building beds to be used in detention centers down here in Texas and other border states that were housing illegal immigrants that had been caught coming across our border. So these little social justice warriors up at at Wayfair, they were protesting and threatening to walk out on their jobs because it is so wrong that these illegal immigrants would be in some kind of detention facility. I haven't enjoyed buying anything, and I've bought very little from Wayfair since then. Just recently, we have Netflix employees all going crazy over this latest Dave Chappelle video that's come out. We are seeing that these these type programs do have an impact, not just for the time when they were there in school, that they are taking the lessons learned from these programs and bringing them up with them into college and beyond. My question with that would be how are programs like this helping us to shape a stable country, a stable population that knows how to get along with each other, but also look at what we could be potentially doing to our economy when you have this type of hypersensitive workforce? What company is ever going to be able to have some productivity? According to No Place for Hate, our kids should be active activists. Volunteering in a soup kitchen and tutoring others isn't enough. They must also advocate for affordable housing and challenge school funding inequities to affect systemic change. Well, if that's the case, then you know what? That makes a wonderful argument against this temple bond election because this bond election is going to raise taxes. When taxes get raised, products and services will also see increases. One of those things, property owners, people who have rental property. They want to they want to claim now that, you know, we have some kind of inequities with affordable housing. You go past that bond, property owners, landlords have higher taxes. They pass it on to their tenants in the form of higher rents, and there goes more of your equity or the the inequity in affordable housing. So one more reason to vote no on the bond, because that is the social justice warrior proper thing to do. 
Is it really K through 12 schools role to impose these those views on our kids? The program also instructs that kids shouldn't misgender their peers. It encourages teachers to ask students what their gender pronouns are, to teach material on the subject and to correct students when they don't use their peers chosen pronouns. We should treat teach treat everyone with dignity, but is it really the state's role to delve into controversial issues like this and teach children how fluid their gender options are? Absolutely, it's important for children to strive for social harmony and to understand their words impacts. But are we forming courageous, self-confident kids when we teach them to constantly spot microaggressions and that their identities define their place on the power continuum? Social psychologist at New York University, a gentleman by the name of Jonathan Haidt, he explains that this approach is more likely to produce anger, anxiety, and hopelessness, traits that are rapidly rising among today's youth. When we see what happened at the high school back on September 29th when they had the protest regarding the transgender kid being told that they were going to make other accommodations than be able to use the girls' locker room, what those videos were showing was a lot of anger, anxiety, and there was a lot of hostility. It appears that there were a number of fights that broke out. You have to wonder that facilitating programs like this isn't creating incidents exactly like what September 29th was. The core question then is what is the purpose of publicly financed education? Is it to make kids hyper aware of their differences and turn them into political activists? Or is it to teach them how to think, not what to think? And again, in an earlier podcast, we did some analysis of some of the, the measures, the rankings that are coming out after TISD. And I certainly wouldn't say they're top of the class in terms of their academic performance, yet they're telling us that they're spending time on this type of program. Apparently, No Place for Hate views the former as a primary purpose of education. Is that how we want our school funding tax dollars used? Do we want to be having our tax dollars used for indoctrinating our kids? Undoubtedly, we can all agree with many of the program's ends, such as harmony, bravery, and eradicating racism. But we should ask whether it means, whether its means are the best way to achieve those ends and express our concerns to school administrators and public officials for the sake of our kids, communities, and country. Again, this is a great article. I will have the link to that posted on the Political Pursuits podcast Facebook page. And this was an article written by an individual that has appeared on a number of online sites. Meanwhile, I think it's important to go back to the source. I started looking at some actual materials that can be found on the Anti-Defamation League's website, specifically under the No Place for Hate tab that has a lot of information. One of the things that caught my eye here was the activity guide, or it's the activity library. And it goes through and talks about some different things. Talks about that uh, they just had a virtual event, kickoff event here, October 6th, 2021, a back to school type thing. It goes through this particular piece I'm looking at here right now. It goes through and talks about the activities that are associated with this program. It describes the activities as the activities for grades K through 12 focus on the themes of identity allyship, challenging bias, and champion, championing justice, 
and can be used as a no place activity for your school. So these, the things that I'm getting ready to go through with you are potential activities that can be used at your school. And they have, some of them are, are level specific, elementary, middle school, high school. Some of them have some overlap. But I want you to note this word allyship is used throughout this entire curriculum and all of these materials. And that really concerns me, the allyship, that basically is what we were looking at for the people signing those pledges, that um, the no hate for no place for hate pledge, that it was showing that there is an alliance of people who are taking this stance. Well, when you think about the word ally, what is the opposite of ally? If I said, you know, I think kindness and respect and all those things are really good, but I don't think I need to sign a pledge. I think my deeds day in, day out are of more importance than signing some little piece of paper. If I do that, would that be considered a microaggression? Would I not be considered an ally? And if I'm not an ally, what might I be? Let's think about that. What might be the opposite? What would be an antonym for ally? Might it not be a label like enemy, opponent, adversary, rival? That would be the logical conclusion of what if you're not an ally, you may be one of those people. I'm not sure in the no place for hate world that just peaceful coexistence, even though I may not buy in 100% to your mindset, I'm not sure that there is a place for that. But with regard to these activities that your school can spend their time on in order to promote the No Place for Hate program, we have things like living and playing with a disability, seeing my identity, seeing me, middle school activities. Oh, here we are that the identity iceberg and me students will explore the Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN. New on CuriosityStream, how do you connect a 16th century potato to limitless energy production? Could Napoleon's toothpick have a direct link to a machine that predicts the future? And how can a 1700s conch shell chart a course to humans connecting their brains to the internet? James Burke's visionary series, Connections, returns for a new generation. Experience all new Connections. With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. Various parts of identity and consider what is visible and what isn't visible when it comes to social identity groups. We've got Poems for Justice. Students will use poetry by Amanda Gorman and Langston Hughes to learn about injustice and social justice and how they manifest in their world. Student dress codes and fairness. Student reflect, students reflect on the controversy over school dress codes and the equity issues they raise. So these are the types of programs that they are asking for a high school activity, bias in our everyday lives. Students reflect on examples of everyday bias and consider the impact it has on those targeted groups. So once again, is this creating a 
population that is aware or is this a program that is that is teaching hypersensitivity microaggressions here we go students examine microaggressions their underlying message and the impact they have on people so if you're going to examine microaggressions the first thing i would think you would have to do is identify them so again are we not just fomenting an off the chart hypersensitivity oh and then we get into other things about hate symbols we talk and there's lots and lots and lots of hate symbols. So this is kind of a, an idea of some of the activities that TISD tells us that every campus that is every campus that got the no place for hate designation, that they all participated in three activities like this. With that, it might be interesting that if you have a kid there in the district, you may want to find out what... Um, what activities they've been they've been taking a look at. Now, something else that was interesting that I came across here is the No Place for Hate Coordinator Handbook and Resource Guide. It basically kind of reads as a community activist guide to social justice and societal, societal instability. I don't know. Goes through and at first it just talks about some basic things about the no place for hate. It talks about the framework where you set up a coalition. You need to form a committee. And to do this program, there's some steps. You form a committee, you sign the pledge, you implement three activities, and then you submit the paperwork and you celebrate your designation like was done at September TISD board meeting. So anyway, this committee should be a coalition of students, at least two faculty and staff members, administrators and family members, and they will lead your No Place for Hate efforts throughout the year to promote respect, equity, and inclusion for all. And once again, these activities develop and implement at least three school-wide activities that enhance students' understanding of diversity, bias, social justice, and inclusion, and which also foster equity and harmony in your school community. It also recommends as part of the best practice that you survey your students. Climate surveys, because that's, that's a word that I'm coming across or a term I'm coming across a lot too. Education climate. So climate surveys are a great way to amplify students' voices and make students feel that they are active participants in creating a school culture where everyone feels welcome, supported, and included. Again, remember with this, this committee that you're, you're putting together to, to have on this, at least two No Place for Hate coordinators, one administrator, one additional school staff member, one family member, and several students on the committee. The ideal range for committee size is between 15 to 25 members. That certainly seems like a whole lot of resources than your, your school facility for people who supposedly are already so overworked and have so much going on. This certainly seems like it's a, a very significant commitment to time and also just to um, focus. The No Place... For hate activities. Once again, this speaks to the, a level of time and commitment that this program would require if, in fact, it's being carried out as the district claims it is. No place for hate activities must involve students in the planning and implementation, focus on inclusivity and community building, involve all students in active living, involve all students in discussion, address school-based issues, take place throughout the school year spread over time. The activities should not 
includes signing the pledge, which does not count as an activity. They should not be done by only one classroom or a small group of students unless that group then engages the rest of the student body in a way that all follows the activity guidelines. They should not use only passive learning, watching a speaker without an opportunity to process what has been done in a follow-up discussion or lesson. They should not all take place over one week. Discussion is one of the requirements of this, and it says that the foundation of the change that they're trying to foment is a strong coalition of school leaders, including students, educators, and family members who have a stake in the outcomes of the plan. Each year, ADL receives activities from participating No, school, no Place for Hate schools that focus on kindness, although learning how to demonstrate kindness is an important part of a child's social and emotional development. ADL highly encourages schools in designing their activities to move beyond kindness to social justice. This particular part of this, this manual, this, this coordinator's handbook, it goes on then for two pages talking about kindness and describing what kindness is. And it basically, it goes back to the same type thing of what that article was saying if you think it's kind that you want to do something for the homeless going and serving food at a, at a soup kitchen isn't good enough now. According to this handbook, we should teach, model, and promote kindness as much and as often as we can, but we also need to teach and empower young people to engage in social action. That is the only way we can ultimately change societal inequities and bring about a truly just society. This is the No Place for Hate program that your school district, the Temple ISD, is proudly promoting as a part of their school activities. Something else that we need to move from being just a safe classroom, being a safe classroom isn't enough anymore, we have to be brave classrooms. In fostering inclusive, equitable, and safe schools, we encourage educators to develop group guidelines for respect and safety in the classroom. However, there is often a need to go further and frame guidelines around the concept of bravery instead of safety. There are a few reasons for this. While these group agreements work for some, they don't always help everyone feel safe, respected, or included. For example, people of color and or those who are members of marginalized groups may want to share real and sometimes harsh testimony about their experiences, something they might need to do in order to feel included and be able to participate. They may want to caucus with others in their same identity group in order to feel safe, or they may feel that by being, that being able to challenge others' bias is what is necessary to build empathy. Let's go over that again. They may feel that being able to challenge others' bias is what is necessary to build empathy. Therefore, what they require to feel safe may not subscribe to the typical list of guidelines. Well, I guess they were, those kids over at Temple High School were challenging other people's bias when they all walked out of class a few weeks ago and proceeded to have a brawl on school property. People may have different ideas about what it means to feel safe, assume goodwill, participate fully, these different perspectives may be attributed to whether one is part of a marginalized or majority group in school or society. Brave is defined by the ADL and the No Place for Hate folks as to have or show physical, emotional, 
or moral strength in the face of difficulty, danger, or fear. When you're brave, you do something that is hard for you. In a classroom or group, bravery goes both ways, giving and receiving. A brave space is one in which we accept that we will feel uncomfortable and may maybe even defensive when exploring issues of bias and justice and oppression. A brave space is one in which we take risks doing so with care and compassion. Seriously, this is what TISD the people who want you to give them another 250 plus million dollars through this bond election, this is the program they are promoting. Don't lose sight of that point. Here's something else that this the handbook goes through. Let's get it right using correct pronouns and names. We use people's pronouns and names frequently and in regular everyday communication, both verbally and in writing. We do it almost without thinking because names and pronouns are the two ways of two ways people call and refer to others. They are personal and important. They are also key facets of our identity. Therefore, calling someone by the wrong name or misgendering them by using incorrect pronouns can feel disrespectful, harmful, and even unsafe. From an early age, many were taught that pronouns should follow specific rules along the gender binary. She, her, and hers for girls and women, and he, him, and his for boys and men. Bet you see where this one's going. However, as our society has progressed in understanding gender identity, our language must also be updated. It should be accurate and convey understanding and respect for all people, especially for those who are transgender, gender non-conforming, and non-binary. If you use the wrong pronoun or name, people may not correct you because they may feel awkward, uncomfortable, or unsafe. If you don't know what people's pronouns and names are, you can listen to how they or others refer to them, or you can ask. There are suggestions below about how to do this in a school or classroom setting. Here's some more examples of the uh, sample activities. You know, the three activities that each one of these schools that gets the designation for no place for hate are purported to have accomplished there is the i am grade that's this is grade level elementary school where we talk about the importance of respecting people's differences and you give the students a piece of paper and ask them to draw a picture of themselves that shows aspects of their identity their physical traits identity groups to which they belong, talents, hobbies, etc. Well, okay, I guess when I was in elementary school, the groups I would have belonged to was that I really liked the monkeys. My favorite color was blue, and I liked musicals. I don't know. But all of these self-portraits can then be collected and put together to make one giant collage for the hall titled Diversity Equals Strength. For middle school or high school, you can do the Humans of Temple, for instance, campaign on Instagram. And you can, um, it can involve leading a discussion with students of different aspects of identity. In other words, race, religion, language, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, etc. And again, I remind you, this is an activity that is for middle school or high school. Folks, I'm trying to get through this. This this podcast is lasting longer than I intended for it to, but there is just so much here. The Pyramid of Hate. This is another one. The Pyramid of Hate is a useful tool to help students understand the prevalence of bias and how incidents of bias, discrimination, and oppression work together to create and perpetuate 
perpetuate systems of hate and injustice. The levels of the pyramid of hate, starting at the bottom, it's biased attitudes. As you move your way up, it becomes acts of bias, followed by systemic discrimination, biased motivation, violence, and it ends with genocide. The pyramid shows biased behaviors growing in complexity from the bottom to the top. Although the behaviors at each level negatively impact individuals and groups as one moves up the pyramid, the behaviors have more life-threatening consequences. Like a pyramid, the upper levels are supported by the lower levels. This is no place for hate. I'm going to try and move ahead to some other things. Um, one of the things that's very important is that the ADL, within all of these curriculums, they do want to be involved, as we talked earlier, about being involved when any alleged incidents occur. It says, if your school experiences an incident or bias, hatred or injustice, please use the following link to complete the incident response form. When an incident like this takes place, we are available to help you address the issue and provide ongoing education and assistance to help prevent future incidents. And then it goes through and gives some best practices for school administrators on responding to incidents of hate and bias. And that is, that ties in with some other information that I found in going through just the, the general ADL website. One of the things that caught my attention that they have, and I would think is very closely allied to this, um, this incident reporting, is that a couple of things that the ADL has is one is called a heat map, H-E-A-T map. It's the first of its kind interactive and customizable map detailing hate extremist and anti-Semitic incidents by state and nationwide. ADL Center on Extremism experts developed this Unique visualization using data points from information sources, including news and media reports, government documents, including police reports, victim reports, extremist-related sources, Center on Extremism Investigations, and more. They're looking to collect data on this, including what might be happening at your school, be it actually verified and properly investigated or not. They're looking to include that kind of information that comes from local collection of data as well. The ADL heat map is updated monthly, and there's also, I think there was a link where you can subscribe to it. There also is the ADL hate crime map. Since 1990, the Hate Crime Statistics Act has required the Justice Department to collect statistics and report annually on hate crimes directed against individuals because of race, religion, ethnicity, sexual orientation, disability, gender, or gender identity. Unfortunately for all, for a variety of reasons, dozens of large cities either do not report hate crime data at all or underreport the data to the FBI. ADL is working with communities across the country to improve their hate crime prevention and reporting as in things like the No Place for Hate program. There are other interesting things that when you go and just prowl around on this, we went through the steps of the No Place for Hate, uh, coming up with your committee and doing all of your activities, but they have a lot of resources. These are resources from classroom plans, action guides, backgrounders, fact sheets, glossary terms, podcasts, profiles, report tools and strategies, webinars, and the type of 
topics that they address are anti-bias education, anti-Israeli activity in BDS, anti-Semitism globally, anti-Semitism in the U.S. We get in here to also bigotry, bullying and cyberbullying prevention, community security, criminal justice reform, cyber hate, education equity, extremism, extremism, terrorism, and bigotry, hate crimes, immigrant and refugee rights, LGBTQ rights, race and racial justice, terrorism, voting rights, women's equity. They also have a books matter section. Reading books is a great opportunity or great opening to talk about identity, diversity, bias, and social justice. ADL's collection includes excellent picture, chapter, and young adult books. Our featured books of the month come with discussion guides for teachers and families. The types of topics that they address, ability, disability, and ableism, bias, discrimination, and hate, bullying, awareness, and prevention, gender and sexism, genocide and holocaust, Jewish culture and anti-Semitism, LGBTQ people and homophobia, heterosexism, people identity and culture, race and racism, religion and religious bigotry, social justice. The lessons. They use the same categories for the lessons that their collection of K-12 through classroom blended and online learning solutions for educators and students promote critical thinking and learning around history and current events topics through the lens of diversity, bias, and social justice. And again, we have all of these lesson plans. Uh, Don't let hate ruin the fun, youth and online games. What is the soul cap and why was it rejected for Olympic use. This is teaching middle school students about why the soul cap was created especially for black swimmers and provide an opportunity for students to reflect on the backlash sparked by the decision to ban it in the Olympics. The future of policing in the U.S. Reform, transform, or abolish. Should corporations speak out on voter suppression laws and other injustices? Teach students about the law Georgia passed that restricts and suppresses voting across the state. Students reflect on perspectives about the role corporations and other powerful entities should play in speaking out on social justice issues. Why are states trying to ban transgender student athletes? High school students will learn about bills that aim to limit transgender athletes from participating in school sports and reflect on how their own experiences in playing sports and participating in other activities affects them. I have spent probably 15 hours reading over all of this type of material. What I'm giving you are just the highlights. Again, I'm going to put a lot of these links on the Political Pursuits Facebook page just I don't want you to take my word for these things. You can read it and review it for yourself. Now, John Wallen says that TISD doesn't teach critical race theory, but they proudly talk about the fact that they are involved with this No Place for Hate program. What I have spent the last 45 minutes doing is basically telling you what is in the the materials related to that program. We don't know to what degree this program is being used. We don't know the amount of time and resources that are being allocated in the use of this program. We don't know the depth of the indoctrination that is currently being attempted. But these are questions that all should be asked. And they are questions which the district should be more than willing to answer. Are they truly enmeshed in this program as they would suggest? And if so, What is their end result with this? Is it more incidents like we had on September 29th at the high school? I don't know. 
This is also, though, these are questions. They are points. This is information that you need to keep and think about with regard to this upcoming bond election. They already have you in debt for $264.7 million. They want to double that. They want you to give them basically that same amount all over again so that they can go and build new facilities, remodel, upgrade, set these facilities up ostensibly if we believe them, if we take them at face value, ostensibly so that they can come and promote programs like No Place for Hate. Do they deserve more tax dollars when it would appear that they are proudly embarking upon an indoctrination program of our students? That's the question. Do we want to reward a school district for already having us in debt, debt that they won't even acknowledge, that Bobby Ott couldn't even be bothered to know? Do we want to reward them for already having debt, wanting more money, Oh, and by the way, also wanting to indoctrinate our kids at the same time. That's not a hard question for me to answer. I know my answer is no. I will vote no, despite the fact that I do believe that there are probably within that package some programs that have merit. In fact, I had a Facebook exchange with someone not too long ago. I told them there are likely some credible projects within the overall larger package, but especially at this point in time, an ask of this size seems imprudent. Our country is moving into a period of significant economic malaise. The misery index is here, and for all those things that need to be fixed, replaced, and upgraded, the rest of the world is facing serious supply chain issues with highly inflated prices. TISD officials may believe they're immune from such constraints, but reality suggests otherwise. Market conditions have rapidly declined throughout 2021. The economy in which these two packages were developed is not the economy of today and the foreseeable future. Responsible stewards of taxpayer funds could better serve their constituents by recognizing the need for a course change. A reworked smaller package featuring real necessities seems a more marketable ask. That's my no on the economic side of this. After going through and seeing more of what this program is, every time I go in and go a little bit deeper into this program, I've more, I become more concerned. After going through the most recent cache of materials that I was able to find, I am no on the second part of this. Besides the economic standpoint, on the ideological standpoint, no way am I going to, am I going to do anything that helps put more money into the coffers of TISD until some of these things are answered. We'll have all of the information on early voting and voting on November 2nd at the Political Pursuits Facebook page. I thank you for listening today. This is Lou Ann Anderson. We'll talk soon. Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.